Welcome to UCLA Anderson's Fully Employed MBA Program Drive Time Podcast. My name is Dylan Stafford, and it's my pleasure to be your host. Today, I am going to interview three incredible alumni of Anderson, two FEMBA alumni who created a company together, and now they've hired a third alum who is a graduate of the full-time MBA. So the people you'll listen to today are Oscar Rodriguez, MD, MBA. He's FEMBA 2014, and his business partner is uh, Hanson Chang, also FEMBA 2014. And their newest employee on their in their new company is Sarah McMains, who is a full-time 2012 graduate. So the name of their company is Reassure Analytics, and their primary product is a wearable technology called, it's an iOS app, and the, it's a technology that they call CareMind. And what CareMind enables you to do is responsibly and respectfully monitor an elderly person in your family who might have um, any type of medical situation associated with the process of growing older. So it's it takes advantage of the wearable technology craze, but also respects people's privacy. And you're going to hear the story of how Oscar and Hanson came to create a company, how they were gap partners and, and section mates through FEMBA, and about three weeks after school decided to go ahead and create a company. They had a wonderful first year and a great product launch, but at about the 18-month point, they said, you know, we need some, some marketing help. And uh, they put a call out to the alumni network, and Sarah responded. And now she's helping them take their evolution the next step further. So I hope you enjoy this. Uh, this was a really fun interview to record because the things that Dean Olian talks about, the three pillars of Anderson of think fearlessly, drive change, share success, I think you'll hear all three of those elements loud and clear in this exemplar of, of three really go-getter Anderson graduates uh, who are making the world a better place. Enjoy. So thank you guys for being here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. My pleasure. So why don't we start with a little bit, let's tell people a little bit of the overview of the company and then we'll kind of go across and introduce each of us so they get a sense of that and then we'll see where the podcast takes us. Okay, so uh, we produced a program called CareMind. It's an app for the iOS system. Um, and Hanson came to me with the idea a year after we graduated. Um, and it, it was designed to help people who um, are in a situation of taking care of a loved one. Usually we start off with an elder person who uh, may need some assistance. Um, and we created the app. It took us less than a year, really, from the time that we incorporated in 2015, of January 2015. And then by November, we had released the app. Um, and we started seeing that some of the marketing pieces were a bit challenging for us uh, through that and uh, through the alumni network we actually uh, found Sarah and uh, Sarah is now our chief marketing officer and she's in charge of helping us get the word out for CareMind uh, and this is less than our year anniversary right so we are we haven't even reached well for the release of CareMind yeah so we're within from the time we released CareMind in November 2016, uh, 2015, um, in less than a year, we've built out the product, we've had it out, we've gotten users, and we brought on a wonderful chief marketing officer. Excellent. And this is Oscar. I guess we'll have to identify our voices a little bit. So, um, 
So thanks for so that's an overview, and then we'll kind of let's let's introduce each of you individually, and then we'll circle back to kind of how did we get to be here, or how did you all get to be here? So why don't we do ladies first? So Sarah, Sounds would you good. Like? Sure. So Sarah here. Um, I'm a 2012 graduate of the full time Anderson program. Um, I've spent most of my career in management consulting um, and currently at a digital agency here in Los Angeles called Huge, where I work on a lot of marketing and brand strategy as well as overall business strategy. been with CareMind for about two months now, two and a half months, so newest member of the team. Um, and I'm deep in with you know figuring out who our target audience is and how to reach them and how to message them and convert them to CareMind. And tell people a little bit about your backstory. Where'd you grow up? Sure. You know, before Anderson, even a little. Yeah, just... absolutely. Um, I grew up in San Diego, so nice. I'm a Southern California native. Uh, went to USC for undergrad. Very so. good. We stole her back. <laughs> we got her over on the west side. That's good. <laughs> to have had a bit of some difficulty being on the UCLA campus for the first couple of months, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, quickly quickly got used to it and quickly fell in love with Anderson. Um, but yeah, before actually before Anderson, I was in human resources, so I have um, a pretty varied, unique background and. Primarily came to Anderson to pivot my career towards something different and was able to do just that. And you had another prior degree in psychology. I do, yeah. I also have a master's degree in psychology and I had done my undergrad in both business and psychology. So Anderson ended up being a really nice culmination of everything I had done prior, like all the psych, um, you know, the business degree that I also had from undergrad. So it was really great to be able to use everything um, actually in business school. It made organizational behavior a lot easier <laughs> as a class. <laughs> so that was nice. <laughs> and your master's in organizational psychology, were you working while you did that? No, that was also full time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then were you thinking out of HR before Anderson or during or? Um, no, I really came to Anderson to move away from human resources and get much more into the strategic side of business and, you know, really help grow and transform businesses rather than, you know, sit inside an organization and, you know, be optimizing business, businesses that way. Oh, more fun. Yes. Yeah, way more fun. Way more fun. <laughs> you can experiment a little bit more. <laughs> they don't like you to do that in HR. <laughs> <laughs> we have a rule book and yeah. we want everyone to look at it every morning. That's Sorry. True. I worked in HR too. So. Yeah, no, you have to follow the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even go there. But yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's the dominant model yeah. of that discipline. Awesome. Okay, thank you. And now, and so now you're Chief Marketing Officer. That's yes, awesome. yeah. All right, who would like to go next? Uh, I can go. This is this is Hanson. So, um, as you were mentioning, I, I uh, did the FEMBA program, uh, finished that in 14. And um, yeah, it's just been a super interesting ride, um, both through the program as, as well as uh, through now the, the last few years in, in graduating. Um, you know, you surprisingly find a, a significant amount of time available once you finish the program. <laughs> uh, you know, you just you just don't know what to do with your time. And um, I think it was you know three three weeks after graduation where it's just like, hey, let's let's do something. You know, let's let's do something with extra time. And that's when. You know, we started to, to kick around the idea of uh, doing doing the product to CareMind, and uh, it's it's been fun. And tell people like your your background. You're Southern California native, also. Uh, no, no, no? I've, well, I've been here. I mean, I've been all here your school is here, but yes, okay. yes, yeah. So I've been here for man, I don't know how long now, maybe 15 years. Um, but uh, came from came from the Bay Area, uh, okay. so grew grew up there, and then uh, came down here for for school. So. Um, I did my, my undergrad at UC Irvine in mechanical engineering. Um, I also went to, to USC for one of my masters. Um, it's a very 
kind of specialized one. It's called medical device and diagnostic engineering, but it's basically just biomedical engineering. Mm. And um, and then I, I came here to, to UCLA for, for my MBA. Um, so both masters I actually did uh, while I was while I was working. Uh, so I spent uh, about nine years at a medical device company called St. Jude Medical. Um, so primarily focused on making ICDs, pacemakers, and uh, just within the cardiac rhythm management world. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it was it was a great ride as as I was going through going through that uh, that job and uh, getting these additional degrees. Um, and uh, since since then, I've actually I actually left that job about uh, four months now to to really go into the, the entrepreneurship side, which has been great. When you had a couple of promotions, so St. Jude was your FEMBA employer. Yeah. And you yeah. really mm-hmm. went from sort of program manager to manager to director sort of during your tenure, or was that last promotion that was after you graduated? Um, oh, no, that was like two months before you graduated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's funny. I, I started the uh, FEMBA program. I remember when I I remember when I applied, I was, I think I was, I was a, a senior engineer. Mm-hmm. And... Um, by the time I had had finished, um, yeah, I had left as a director. Nice. So, yeah, it was it was it was good. So, but but so you got a promotion to director three months before you graduate, and then three weeks after you graduate, you're thinking you need to you're what bored. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about Fembus. There is so much unreasonableness right here. I, I don't know where you guys get the time of the day. Uh, yeah, you know, just you, you finish when you finish school, you're like, I have an extra 20 hours a week, and so uh, let's let's do something productive with that time and something interesting and and fun, and so um, that's that's kind of how how uh, we started off with CareMind. Okay, well, I want to circle back to CareMind, but let's let's introduce Oscar. I know you're not a Southern California native. No, <laughs> uh, born in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, Missouri. Yeah, uh, yeah. I traveled a lot as a kid. Um, my dad is. Uh, is an MD PhD in biochemistry. Did his uh, uh, actually did his biochemistry PhD at UC San Francisco. Um, so we moved from St. Louis to San Francisco, back to St. Louis, back to LA, all before I turned the age of nine. Um, so when I met families who are like military families I, and they travel a lot, I get the I get the sense of that they have of uh, sort of the moving back and forth. But since the age of nine, I kind of grew up in Southern California, so I kind of consider myself a Southern California transplant native, I don't know what you call us, um, but yeah, so I went to high school out here and um, uh, went to college at Duke University, lived in North Carolina for a while, then came back and actually did some research in clinical, bioclinical, and cellular uh, research. I was actually part of a really neat team for a while that was uh, doing a bioartificial liver um, and worked with them, which was kind of a neat I was really deep in research at the time, and it was just a neat way of actually applying the research to save someone's life, and I thought it was really neat. Um, we we were able to extend the window of time that someone needed in order to get a transplant liver, because once your liver fails, you can't get one. Um, but research wasn't cutting it for me, so I decided to apply to medical school, um, and I ended up uh, going to a dual degree with uh, down in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico, and New York Medical College. So, and I almost actually stayed in Mexico um, and worked and lived there. Uh, it was actually a very interesting time of my life at that time. And then I got into my surgical residency here at Cedar sinai in L.A., um, and then about after my third year, something was missing. 
which is I've realized has become a theme of my life. I'm always thinking something's not right, something's missing, <laughs> um, and it. Um, so I, I took a I took my research year. I, the surgical uh, program uh, at Cedars is a six year program, and so the fourth year is usually research. And so I ended up doing some research, and, and I wanted to do medical informatics, and that changed my life because I ended up uh, looking at. Um, uh, I was looking to apply to Stanford's informatics program, and they said you don't have you have a research background, you don't have enough um, experience with population uh, data. And so, at the time, my father and my sister both worked for Davita, um, and so I asked if I could just shadow somebody in their uh, statistics department or whoever worked with the population statistics there. And I ended up falling in love with the company and what it stood for and, and what it is. And I ended up changing careers and going into Davita. Fast forward to 2011, um, I found myself really interested in the business aspect of medicine, and so I started looking at what do the people around me have, and everyone had an MBA. Mm. And so, uh, interestingly enough, one of my fellow um, uh, teammates at DeVita, we, call him, we don't call them employees, we call them teammates, um, knew this guy named Dylan at UCLA. And <laughs> And I know a guy named Dylan at UCLA. And, and he said, you should consider going to the fully, fully employed program. So uh, talked to Dylan, uh, took the GMAT, and had to retake the GMAT, um, and then ended up uh, getting in. And um, I've said this before to you, Dylan, um, pound for pound, the best education I've had. And for me, that's saying a lot considering the amount of education that I've gone through. <laughs> um, and it's not just because of the quality education, that it, but it, it's everything. It's the experience. It's the fact that I'm sitting here. Uh, if you would have told me before I got into Anderson, and even if you would have told me while I was in med school or during my residency that I'd be sitting here with you, partnering with Sarah and Hanson to do something where um, it gives you chills to think about. It makes you feel good about what you're doing. And uh, you, you finally found a purpose. You know, for me, that's that's where I'm at with this. Is um, I, everything I had done up until now hadn't felt just the right fit, and um, I think Sarah made a great point. It's like it was like a culmination. Like it all brought it together. My experience getting my MBA here at Anderson, and um, this is sort of the proof in the pudding, so to speak. You know, I tell everybody like I've I've always been insanely you know, um, expectations exceeded uh, from day one where we started Leadership Foundations. And um, I, tell, I tell everyone, too, that's even thinking about getting an MBA. It's like if you, you know, come in, you do the FEMBA program, at least, you know, just, just try out Leadership Foundations. You know, you apply, you come in, and you, you try that out, and, like, you will be blown away. Um, and uh, I, I definitely was. Well, you know, we, we think the target audience for this podcast are people who are already in Anderson, so we're not really trying to sell the school. Um, but God, you got to sell the school. I mean, don't you want to be in a company with people as smart and as interesting as these three? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, well, why don't, like, let's talk some more about, so you finally found a purpose. That's like a big accolade. You know, that's not just a company. You know, you're doing something bigger than that. So let's let's tell people, you know, like, where you are now with, with your company and, and where you want it to go. Like, let's, let's kind of flesh that out for people. Like, Okay. Um, so uh, the product that we're working on right now is called 
like I mentioned, it's called CareMind, and it's an iOS app. It's designed to help people help take care of each other. Um, we're, we're in a situation right now in, in healthcare where um, the number of doctors applying to residency is dropping, the number of geriatrics, those specializing in geriatrics is dropping, uh, pediatricians aren't too far behind, and those are our most vulnerable populations. And what we're looking at is, and it may sound a, a bit, it's funny, I tell people, we're helping people take care of themselves. And medicine, I think I can say this, is not rocket science. Medicine is something that was formalized out of what people did naturally and organically when they didn't feel well. They did X, Y, or Z, and they ended up, then it became formalized into medicine. And then at some point in life, medicine became out beyond the reach of the average person, which I think is a problem. And, and so what we did with CareMind was try and bring that back a little. Not entirely, but bring it back a little where you know what your heart rate is, and we can tell you what a good heart rate or not so good heart rate is. You know that activity is good for you. We can kind of help you understand what level of activity is good for you. Um, I always use the, 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 um, the way I explain it is, look, 15 years ago, and I can say this because I'm old enough, the idea of buying a car without a dealer was unheard of. Right? Mm. You, you were at the mercy of the dealership. That's how medicine is right now. You can't really take care of yourself without a doctor or a nurse or a clinician or a pharmacist. Everything says, you know, nowadays you look at people, they're getting armed with information, being able to walk in and buy a car off of another person who's selling a used car, go into a lot and actually be, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe with dealers because of the information. And I think, in, in essence, medicine can be very similar in that sense where you empower the person to have that information they can walk in. Now, granted, you still kind of need nurses and doctors for certain things. You're not going to go buy, buy a vaccine off the shelf and give it to yourself. But at least you empower the person to walk in uh, and make, make that doc and nurse earn their money by saying, by not walking in going, okay, what do I do? By walking in going, I feel that I would like to do this, this, and this, and because of this, this, and this, and really get that doctor or nurse to pull from all that education and, and really be challenged to do their job. And, I, and for me, that's why when you ask about purpose, I think that to me is a higher purpose. It's bringing medicine back into the hands of people where they can empower themselves and take care of the, the loved ones around them. And not just because it's good, it's, it's going to be needed in the next few years. I mean, our elder population is growing dramatically. Uh, and we have a new phenomenon called the sandwich generation, where you have uh, you know, people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s taking care of somebody in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, as well as taking care of an adolescent or a, uh, a young child in the house. Yeah, yeah and, it's amazing. And it's tough. Yeah. So your product, and your product provides information on an elderly parent in a respectful way, as, one, as you've explained it to me at one point, like just to the layman on the, on the podcast right. listening. So the, 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 the idea was, um, with the whole wearable craze that's going on, there's all this data that's being thrown out there. But no one's really telling you what does it mean, what, how, what's the importance of it, or what's the significance of it. And so Hanson and I, when we first got together, we actually tested out a bunch of the, um, uh, the wearables and decided we're going to go with Fitbit initially and see how that works based on its performance and how it was, um, the, the kind of data we're getting back. And it's amazing, out of just heart rate, sleep, and activity, the amount of information you can, if you understand how to interpret it properly, the amount of information you can have to help keep yourself healthy or tell yourself that someone's 
going in the wrong direction. I'll give you an example so that your listeners can kind of get a sense of this. For example, um, sleep. And I know sleep has become very popular lately, and it's there's a lot of myths and things going on around there. But the data and the research shows that someone over the age of 65 who um, gets less than five hours of sleep consistently a night doubles their chances of suffering a fall during the day. That's research. They've that's in the papers that you can read in any journal articles. That's research. I don't think the average person knows that. Mm. In fact, the average person thinks, well, as I get older, I don't need as much sleep. Mm. And so there's these myths that are going against what actual data and research is telling us. So one of the things we do in CareMind is we alert you if anyone in your family that you're tracking who's wearing a Fitbit um, is getting less than five hours of sleep. Sounds simple, but it becomes very valuable when you start looking at an elderly person over the age of 65 who suffers a fall, there's a huge percentage of them that end up in the hospital. Another percentage of those end up dying in the hospital, not because of the lack of sleep, but because of the fall that resulted in an injury, which resulted in a surgery that they didn't survive. And so for us, it was, uh, and especially for me, it was like, let's bring in medicine back into an actionable format. So currently, the product stands is we're using Fitbit as a wearable to track the information. We have users who are actually putting a Fitbit on their kid and a Fitbit on their parent. Wow. And they are tracking both and using the alerts that we have based in the system to keep track and keep them alerted to certain things that are maybe trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, I got inspired when you explained it to me, and, and it was like a respectful way to monitor Grandpa's health mm -hmm. and that we could, we could receive some data without interfering with Grandpa's privacy, but that helps the extended family have a whole level of assurance and security that... You know, an elderly person is 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 okay to continue a, an independent lifestyle. So it's like independent plus. They're yeah. still living an independent lifestyle, and the the loved ones have an an access point into providing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what we really wanted to do too was just increase the utilization of technology with uh, you know your your seniors and. Um, we, when you look at wearables and the proliferation of it, uh, there, there really isn't as many, uh, you know, folks that are over 65 that, that are util utilizing these technologies, and uh, we saw a good opportunity to to help help do that by uh, providing this type of product. And uh, when we looked at Fitbit and wearables that are out there, um, it's really more of a kind of quantified self type of thing. Whereas uh, with the with the product that we ended up uh, coming out with, um, it pretty much allows it's more of like a quantification of others and uh, being able to track and see and monitor how how others are doing that are utilizing these wearables. And I want to ask Sarah in a minute because you're two months on the team, so <laughs> now you got to you. So we, we obviously have the science point of view, we have the the kind of the entrepreneurial frameworky point of view, and then you're going to have to market all this. But <laughs> <laughs> before we get to Sarah, I w tell people a little bit the story of how you guys, you know, your during school experience, because that was one of the things that I think is so inspiring that you didn't know each other before Femba, and no. yeah. So t let's let's tell that story, and then we'll weave Sarah in also because she's the newest member. You want me to start? You end? Yeah. Okay, so I'll start with the the courtship <laughs> part of our relationship. <laughs> and then you can end with the actual marriage. Um, so we, um, and w after I got accepted, I was thrilled. And then I got an email that said, uh, there's this mixer, um, free alcohol. There you and go. I said, awesome, I'm there. And I got there, and I think, uh, Hanson, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was a way that we uh, were able to identify 
by the name tag that you know there was a healthcare association there. And so I came in with a very narrow-minded approach to my MBA. I was like, I just need an MBA to go back to DeVita and get promoted and get a raise and become hopefully the C uh, chief operating officer there eventually. Um, and then, so when I got to this mixture, I saw this guy with St. Jude Medical on his tag, and it was Hanson, and I said, oh, that makes sense. It, it, w it went along with what, what I was thinking in that narrow sort of framework. Um, and that's how we first met. And then we just happened to be in the same section. Um, and we took a few classes together, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the full first year and a half was core classes. Yeah. So, yeah. And you guys were the all-day Saturday? Yep, all-day Saturday. Okay, so you <laughs> met then, went through the, the core, core courses, yeah. But weren't really necessarily, you know, starting a company or anything, just... No, hell, we weren't even calling each other, like, on weekends <laughs> or anything. I mean, yeah. it was like, it was a classmate. Right. I mean, it was... And that's what people always ask me when this I was talking about This was a very low-key courtship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hanson played it cool. Hanson played hard to get. Hanson played hard to get, exactly. Um, and and that's, that's what kind of blew me away, because when I've always heard these stories about people getting together and working together, it, I, I maybe have misinterpreted it as, okay, the minute from that initial <laughs> meeting time, you're like at the, you, you just bond, and then it's like it builds, and then it becomes this amazing thing. And... That's not how it happened for us, really. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where uh, I, I, you know, I really uh, admired Hanson for what he was doing at St. Jude, and uh, um, he's ridiculously intelligent, drives me nuts. Um, and <laughs> it, for me, it was something that he was an awesome classmate. But there was no, uh, and then obviously we would get together on certain social planned social events that we had for our section or for the Fembas or whatever. But there wasn't that um, tie until we got to Gap. And then when we were on the same uh, global access program team, that that's when uh, I think um, our friendship kind of grew out of pure need, or else we'd get it be at each other's throats um, for, for those six months. But um, and, and I, it's interesting what Hanson said about extra time, because I think Gap really uh, for the Fembas makes them realize I can make time, and um, and so that I think for me Gap was sort of the the gel that kind of brought um, our relationship as, as uh, classmates and, and future fellow alumni uh, closer together, gelled our relationship, but also kind of showed what, what we could pull off. It actually showed us what we could do. And I think that if I hadn't had that experience, and I'll let Hanson talk about when he called me up, but it, when Hanson called me up, I probably would have said, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to go that's, do it. I'm that's good. right, because you, you came in with this DeVita kind of a corporate trajectory for yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's half the courtship. This is like the dating game here. Sarah and I are just looking at you guys, <laughs> seeing the glow. It's, it's the romance. No, but I mean, like, relationships take time, and relationships are built on trust and mutual. Like, who are you? Where are you going? Can I trust you? Right. And like, I, I like that you point out that it wasn't like a lightning bolt because if you use the courtship metaphor, yeah, like, what does that look like? No love you, at first sight on this. One. <laughs> <laughs> None not. whatsoever. No. All right, so Hanson, the other side of the story, and then and then Sarah, I don't uh, even know why you got in with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'll just I'll just say that uh, you know, in even just kind of continuing off the the conversation about uh, um, when you come in with one perspective of even if it being more corporate, and I think I. You know, I've always wanted to be on the entrepreneurship side, but my, my perspective in coming into the NBA was pretty singular as well. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a little bit of education. But uh, it was really taking the, those opportunities, and I think 
when we started to uh, get together and, and to talk about it, it was just saying, yeah, this is like, sounds like a cool opportunity. And, you know, we, we have some extra time now. So let's, <laughs> let's uh, do something fun and, and try this out. And, you know, we were both very passionate about, about healthcare and uh, doing something uh, within the space to really build something that, that benefits society. Um, and so it's, uh, it's been, um, you know, great doing, doing that. And um, I guess transitioning over to, to Sarah um, and uh, how she came on board, um, you know, I think as we, we launched uh, CareMind, um, you know, we, we were able to get some, some great press around the product. So uh, we got on to, to Slate, we got on to, to Newsweek, um, there was something in Provider Magazine. Provider Magazine is basically a, a, a distribution primarily for uh, nurses and, uh, and physicians. Um, and so it was kind of like a nice nice accolade around uh, the type of product that we were doing. So we were rated like a top caregiver app. But um, aside for aside from getting some nice press, um, you know what, what I think Oscar and I found out was like, oh wow, we, we're not really good at marketing. <laughs> we suck <laughs> at marketing. Yeah, we're, we're not really good at... Uh, this has yeah. never ever happened in any <laughs> uh, entrepreneurial let, let, Let's be just blatantly honest. We both were on a call we just said... We're just not very good at this. Yeah, this is Twitter. <laughs> what? I mean, yeah, this is, this is yeah. not our thing, you know. And it's been amazing too, with respect to um, kind of some of the surveys and, and things that we've done uh, within the space, because everybody who hears about our product and who um, we've we've interviewed and, and talked with, they just they absolutely love it, and um, it's really something that they want to use. And so we're like, man, we really need to to capitalize on this. And um, that's when we we essentially reached out to the alumni network um, in. You know, trying to find somebody that uh, could could join our team and uh, basically help us a lot and, and own all of the the marketing um, for for user acquisition and uh, uh, it was actually just through the alumni listserv um, and and I, I love I love the listserv it's it's an absolutely great resource um, and uh, that's actually what we use to, to reach out to to a bunch of folks and uh, we got a ton of interest um, and uh, Sarah, we, we in just talking with her, we, we just absolutely loved her, um, and uh, that's how that's how Sarah came came on board. Okay, and I'm just totally <laughs> building anticipation because you still don't get to hear from Sarah. Because <laughs> I just want to, I want to, I want to just, I just want to focus on two points. So, how, what did you have to offer Oscar when you guys talked? When you guys kind of came together, and then I want to ask the same question: like, what did you have to offer? Because it's obviously much further along by the time Sarah gets to end the question. So. Like, did you have a business plan? Did you have an idea? Did you have a back-of-the-envelope cocktail conversation? Like, what what was there when you reached out to Hanson with a, hey, we sh excuse me, when you, you Hanson, reached out to Oscar with a, hey, we should do something? He didn't propose the ring, if what you're saying. <laughs> there was no ring involved. So, so like, you didn't, uh, like, yeah, it, no, it was I mean, literally just, hey, I got 20 hours a week, and I should do something interesting, and maybe we're both in healthcare, and let's talk? Yeah, and, and honestly, I mean, when I try to think back about how the initial conversation was, it, it the the final product of what we actually put out was not what we were initially thinking. Right. Um, so we kind of were just like, hey, we should we should do something in the senior care space. We should do something in digital health, and uh, we we both have this uh, huge interest in in healthcare, and we were kind of thinking about monitoring related things. Um, that could benefit, um, you know, benefit seniors, and and so I, I want to say the initial permutation was was actually more um, kind of a technologically advanced uh, life alert, which mm -hmm. I think you know you, you might have heard about, which is you know I think it's the iPhone I can't get up, you push yeah, a button right. kind of thing, 
And um, you know, since since that initial discussion, which was really just you know kind of high level, we started talking a lot more. And um, it wasn't until like a good six months before we actually said, "Oh yeah, let's actually really build this product in and um, mm -hmm. you know actually pull it, incorporate behind." Uh, behind a company to to put this product together, so I think it was six months after that before we before we did that. But during that time period, we were essentially just kind of kicking things around and doing a lot of research and um, a lot of you know primary and secondary research within the space um, to to kind of decide on what we wanted to to actually do. Yeah, and the reason I asked the question is for for people on the call who are in the Anderson MBA program, it, it opportunity can look different ways. It can oh, look yeah. very very much like I know you, you know me, we have a certain kind of common background and we also have complementary skill sets because Oscar, you're the doctor, Hanson, you're more the entrepreneur. So it's not two doctors talking about medicine. It's not two entrepreneurs just having entrepreneurial ideas. There's a, there's a compliment there, mm -hmm. but it was kind of spitballing within the domain of wearable yeah. technology. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I remember I, the first call was really, so what are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> Watching TV, and because <laughs> I'm a new alum and you know, I can do that, <laughs> you know. Um, and then it, it really was, I think, for me uh, at least, was uh, like I said, I, I if it had been somebody else that I didn't know, like I know Hanson, who'd come up with it, and you actually told me, he goes, I've, I've crunched some of the numbers and it looks pretty decent. Because here's the thing, everyone has a great idea. You can always have a great idea for something, um, but if you don't have the numbers crunch to say, you know what, yes, getting from this point A to point B, this is the perfect route, but then you realize it's actually a ravine that you got across with no bridge, that's a problem. And and I think, yeah, it's really nice to get over there, but if there's no pathway over there, then it's it's kind of a problem. And what I liked the fact was, I knew, I knew Hanson, and I knew that if he told me he had looked initially into some numbers, I could trust them. And I could look at it, and I could say, yeah, that, that would make sense. And then it allowed me, which from the science and the medicine side was like, oh, I love this idea. Mm -hmm. And so, but I, it, it almost was having that partnership to say, it's okay to get excited about this because it seems like there's a path in that direction. At least the numbers pan out to some extent. Um, and, and that, to me, is, was the difference. I think everyone before business school probably has great ideas. Mm -hmm. um, what I think... The relationship that I built with Hanson and the education I got at Anderson helped me be able to say, okay, gave, gave me a little stopgate in my head that says, yeah, this is a great idea, and have resources and, and friends that, like Hanson who, who could say, yeah, actually, the numbers kind of look good on that. All right, cool, let's take the next step. And so it was about a six months of, okay, let's take another step forward and see where that goes. And, okay, the numbers still look good, let's go again. And so for me, that was, that was the key part of it was building that relationship, having built that relationship with Hanson, knowing really who Hanson was and, and knowing that he wouldn't be, you know, bullshitting me basically or saying something that was, you know, off out of left field. And that, it's, it's amazing how that can change your perspective on something. When you truly know the person, you're like, okay, then we could probably do this. Um, if it hadn't been Hanson, I, I probably wouldn't be here. And it's a pretty aggressive time table. You graduate June of 2014. You get bored three weeks later. <laughs> you know, you, you incorporate in January of 2015. Right. You release something that gets pressed in Newsweek and Slate in November of 15. And then six months after that, you're like, now we got to bring in the big guns. 
So yeah. okay, we've we've built up Sarah. So oh, no. because <laughs> I don't want to disappoint the listeners. <laughs> no, but but I appreciate just kind of focusing on on the different stages of the journey. So mm-hmm. you guys, it really was. There's a shared common res- respect and relatedness and background and appreciation for each other's just raw brain power and a complementary skill set. But that was really just just really small and, and incubating. And then but. But so let's let's fast forward now. So we're talking what summer of 2016? Yeah, the part early summer of 2016. Um, yeah, an email comes in my personal Gmail inbox from Hanson. Says we're looking for a digital, you know, marketing, you know, user acquisition specialist. And I was like, this sounds interesting. So I marked it as unread. Looked at it a couple days later. Read the Slate article. Read the Newsweek article. And I was like, this is a great idea. I love it. Um, you know, there's nothing else like Caramine on the market. And I sh- I've shared this with Oscar and Hanson before, but that week, um, so my grandfather is 91 years old. He lives by himself independently, um, lives down the street from my parents. My parents call him every single night. And one night, my mom couldn't get a hold of him. And she was oh like up in arms. She was super anxious. She was really worried. Um, my uncle lives with my grandfather. She couldn't get in touch with him. And they ended up driving over to his house. And it turns out he was at some event, like some speaker with one of his friends, like ha- like drinking, like having the time of his life, <laughs> nice. loving life, like totally fine. And my mother, like just because I was on the phone with her while all of this was going on, was super anxious. And I thought to myself, if only she had Caramine, like she'd be able to see that like his heart rate was fine. He was taking steps. He was active. And I was like, okay, like I have to like, you know, I have to at least put my hat in the ring, see if I can help these guys because this is a great idea and it's it's actually going to change people's lives. Like, you know, everything that Hanson and Oscar shared about, you know, enabling and empowering people when they're in their doctor's offices, but there's a whole emotional side to it as well. And I was really attracted to that um, just because it, it gives people peace of mind. It's solving a need that no one else is able to solve yet. And I was like, okay, like I got to put my hat in the ring on this one and try to get behind it and, and help these guys out. This, I mean, this is really, guys, I'm all excited. And, and you've been doing other things, and now you've got this opportunity. So, like, kind of tease people who are, in, who are still getting their <laughs> MBA with, you know, and you've, you've gone from a human resources background mm-hmm. and a psychology way of kind of looking at life, and now you've got the, the toolkit and the framework of the MBA. So, like, and you're a C-suite partner now, <laughs> right? You're, a, you're a, the chief marketing officer to the chief medical officer to the CEO of this. Like, what is what is how do you see your Anderson education kind of informing your okay now I need to I need to offer something to these guys that they don't have without my skill set how do you kind of relate to the opportunity that's mm-hmm. in front of you like you're 60 days into this yeah um well so you know I think going to Anderson opened a lot of doors career-wise for me um that I wouldn't have had without the MBA so I went into management consulting after business school and there's no way someone with a master's in psychology and an HR background typically gets in, into those sorts of roles um so it certainly opened the door for that for me um which was fantastic and really the reason why I came to business school in the first place and I think Having had that work experience put me in a good position to then, you know, get into a startup, you know, be a little bit more entrepreneurial because I have been working, you know, with healthcare clients, with a couple other different clients. So just building, you know, I think it opened the door to build that that toolkit for myself that I could then, you know, become like, a, I guess, a chief marketing, marketing officer of a startup company. So it's, it's more of the career that enabled me to have, which got me to this place. Yeah. I would say it's the value of Anderson. Yeah, because it's just like, I, I just, for a living, I talk to people who are thinking about getting mm-hmm. an MBA, and, and I try to remind people, like, think bigger. And everybody gets focused on, is my GMAT high enough? Yeah. And then you have idiots like me who make Oscar take it twice. That's the biggest <laughs> waste of his time. But, you know, like, like, yeah, it's like you're getting ready for a life you may not even know you want to build yet. 
Yeah, and I would say that's true. I mean, I'm I'm already on my second job after business school, and if you had told me five or six years ago that I would be at like a digital agency, you know, having you know come out of my like master's psychology, we're gonna be like, I don't even know what a digital agency is, like, you know. And so I I think yeah, I think that's one of the most exciting parts about going to business school is that you meet so many interesting people, and it does open so many doors. You know, I've always wanted to be you know in an entrepreneurial role and in that environment, but this is the first time I've really found an opportunity that spoke to me. Um, but you know, I. I think you just never know where those opportunities are going to come from. And I think that's been kind of a reoccurring theme that we've all been touching on. But it, it just does, goes to show that, you know, coming here, like having that experience, meeting those people, and even, you know, not meeting those people and only meeting them four years after the fact, mm-hmm. um, as is with this case, um, it's you just never know what's going to happen. And just like keeping your eyes open and being open to those opportunities is really great. And you know what? One question when we were talking to her before, um, I, it wasn't really an interview, but it was like a, get to meet and before we'd actually brought her on, uh, brought Sarah on, um, the one question I asked her and the answer that, that hooked me was the story about her grandfather. Mm-hmm. For me that was, because I think Hanson and I are in this, it is a bit of a labor of love and so having someone else say, this spoke to me, and, and that comes back to what I've always said is, you, the information you can get off of a resume, you can get when you quote unquote network. Mm-hmm. But this kind of information that you get by being in class with people or asking those kind of questions, you don't get that from networking with people. You get that from getting to know people. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was that was the kicker. I mean, when she told me the story about her grandfather, I was like, yep, that's her. Hey, it was like, huh? So we're going to start up. I mean, Oscar and I both still work full time. So, you know, to... You know, to work nights, to work weekends, you know, when you've had, like, a long day at work, like, you have to have, like, passion for what you're working on. You have to really love it, and it can't feel like work. Otherwise, you know, why are you doing it? You know, mm-hmm. it's it's just not worth it. So, I mean, it's, it works both ways. You yeah. know, I, I don't think I would have, you know, um, reached out to you guys if I wasn't behind, like, what you guys were trying to do in the market anyway. So, it, yeah. it definitely works both ways. And it's all, I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but it's like, you have to be true to what you love. And yeah. you kind of always come back to it, I think, too. Like, I, I'm not, I don't have a hardcore healthcare background like these guys, but both my parents are in the health sciences. Like, my dad's also a physician. My mom's a medical researcher. So, it's like, I'm comfortable in the space. I've grown up in it. And it's funny how you go back to, like, what you know at the end of the day. Yeah. And just a super quick plug for, we have eight medical doctors in this entering class mm-hmm. of Emma. Wow. Yeah, which is huge. We're so I was looking I have it on the wall. In Oscar's class we had two, and then we had four the year after that. And we had two and then we had seven. There's seven medical doctors in the class of twenty seventeen. There are two in the class of twenty eighteen and others um, eight in this entering class. Wow. And it's just amazing because like mm-hmm. it's it's a huge topic and it's a huge part and we are gonna get older. Our bodies are gonna last longer, you know, and there we have, you know, diseases now that we didn't have to have treatments for because nobody lived long enough to get those things. Oh yeah, and I think the problem also with doctors is that in our training when we get to it, the last thing we're taught is leadership training. The last thing we're taught is management. The last thing we're taught is how to get from point A to point B in a project. Mm. And right now that's all medicine is. I mean, if you want to get reimbursed by the government for any procedures that you do, You've got to ha- do it in, in a hyper-efficient manner, and you got to be able to run a team. You got to be able to manage a group. You got to be able to it, running a clinic is just. And so I think you're going to start seeing a lot more doctors entering the space, and in part because medicine's changing dramatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the diversity in the class though is definitely something that it was just uh, really, really amazing yeah. going through the program. 
you know, when we kind of talk about like uh, you you enter the program with a kind of singular focus, and I think I, I definitely did. It was like, oh yeah, just get a get get a degree, get some extra experience, and it's going to help me in in my uh, in my career. But uh, just seeing the amount of uh, different type of positions that people are in, and it's just so interesting to learn about all kinds of different jobs. And what Sarah was saying earlier, like oh, she didn't know what like a digital agency was when you first start, and um, it was similar for me that you know entering, I maybe looked around at St. Jude, and I was like, oh yeah, I can maybe do like five or six of these different types of jobs, and. After you're in the program for a year or two, you're like, oh man, I could do like, I could, I could probably do like all kinds of jobs now. You know, like there's just all these different things that people are doing that uh, you're like, oh, I can, I could, I could do that. And I think it really lends itself to the entrepreneurship side too. That you're like, yeah, yeah, let me, let me go out and, and try out mm-hmm. some things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're, you're okay doing it. Well, you know, this, these are big. These are hundred thousand dollar investments in your own education, and I, I, I love the. Think fearlessly, share success, drive change. I love those pillars. I'm a sucker for marketing, right? <laughs> I don't know if I like thinking the next is still kind of clunky to me, but I like the pillars. And, and I do I do head, heart, gut. That's my interpretation of it, that think fearlessly, we're going to impact your gray matter. Fine. Awesome. Grad school at UCLA. No no kidding. You yeah. should do that. You know, share success, that's heart to me. Like, And you, you said networking, like anybody can share data points on a resume, but getting related to someone, mm-hmm. who are you, where are you going, mm-hmm. do I trust you, do I want to spend my extra life energy, I mean, I got a full-time job, I'm, I got a life, that's that's the networking mm-hmm. at, at, a, at, a, at a more impactful way of thinking about networking. Sure. And, then, and then drive change, that's gut, you know, at, at some level, I, where does confidence come from? But I know when you get an MBA from a top school, you get an X-factor confidence. And it sounds schmaltzy when you talk about it, mm-hmm. except that it really does happen. People graduate, if you are willing to get admitted to Anderson and then do the Anderson experience and then earn the diploma, you walk out of here a little bit taller. Mm-hmm. And, and, and where does confidence come from? Well, knowing that you have options, mm-hmm. having a much expanded community who's calling you and tapping you on the shoulder and 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 then just you know actually feeling smarter you know but like yeah like you said earlier the world is full of great ideas but then can you pathway that to anything in reality or are you just a guy with a great idea or a woman with a great idea like to to kind of be the triple threat and to bring that all together well and you got i think you said you got to do anderson right though Mm -hmm. i mean whether it's a full-time or the FEMBA program, you got to do it right. And what I mean by doing it right is don't network, build relationships. You know, don't miss an opportunity that's sitting right in front of you. Uh, And and, and they're small. They're very minute. You have a five-minute break or your professor gives you a 10-minute break and there's someone sitting there that's not talking to anybody and you're not talking to anybody. Why aren't you over there saying hi and and getting to know the person and saying, oh, so what do you do? Where do you come from? Because Hanson makes a great point. I remember the first time I sat in my FEMBA class we all have our name tags with the company that we work for. And I was looking around going, wow. I mean, it blew me away. Pixar, Disney, you know, uh, Boeing. And I'm going, okay. And I knew DeVita was a pretty decent company, but at the same time, it, it was amazing to see the, the names of the companies around me. Um, and combine that, so that's kind of like resume stuff. Combine that with the heart and drive of the majority of the people that I've, I've met, both in full-time and, and FEMBA program, it's just an it's a, it's a, it's a intoxicating mix that you can have. And you're not going to be able to have that confidence 
until you get to know those those pieces of, of the puzzle that are sitting right next to you, which is a really cool thing. I mean, you have a question on human resources. I mean, I had someone who had done human resources for eight years for a huge company, and I had a human resources question. Yeah, well, in, in Dean Olean, Judy Olean talks about, she's two, two themes of it. You know, when she talks about share success, she said, you know, we're not sharp elbows and pointy knees. You know, mm-hmm. we're not a I win, you lose culture. And then she's got her take 15 idea for Anderson alumni. If you get a call from a from someone in the network, you know, take 15 minutes within the next 24 hours. That's kind of her call to arms challenge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and here it was, you know, you flagged mm-hmm. it. You came back to it a couple days later. But, you know, <laughs> it all worked out, you know. And so... All right, well, we're coming to a close. We, we've hit our timeline. Um, any parting thoughts? We'll just go across. We went ladies first. We'll let you be last. So we'll start with Hanson. But if, if you knew then what you know now, shout-outs to anybody, just any anything you think that a current student might benefit from as, as kind of a parting thought, Mr. Entrepreneur, <laughs> Mr. Bring Us All Together. I, I think it's uh, the just common theme that we've been talking about, which is just really... Uh, whenever you see an opportunity, just take it. And that op- opportunity can be in a lot of different forms, whether it be um, taking 15 minutes to talk to somebody because uh, just helping somebody out and having a 15-minute conversation to learn about them and maybe uh, you know help them a little bit, it, it can lead to a lot of different things. So opportunities come in a lot of different ways. And um, big and small, to just take those opportunities uh, throughout your throughout your uh, MBA experience and, and beyond. Thanks, Hanson. And I just want to acknowledge you for, you know, for walking the walk. Like, you, you know, entrepreneurship, you do have to have that kind of itch. Like, well, what next? You know, and, and it's because of that, that that we're having this conversation today. So I just, you know, to, to the person who kind of was the spark, good on you. Good job. Thanks. Well, Oscar. Um, I, I think for me, you said call out, right? Uh, for me, it would be a call out to you, uh, Dylan, because I think um, you you guided me and inspired me to to go ahead and, and really try to get into Anderson and, and be part of this. And you hear the cliches in every educational institution. You know, it's a family, it's a village, it's a. But you really, uh, Dylan, you are the one who actually truly makes that cliche true here at mm-hmm. Anderson. And so, um, I just wanted to thank you. Uh, and I know I've done this before, but might as well put it in, put it in down for for eternity now in a podcast. And thank you for the. Um, We're sending this out into space. Yeah. It'll come back light years from now. So that that, that would be my takeaway: is that um, there's always going to be some, for me. It was you. There's always going to be somebody that's going to ch- be your champion. But you're never going to get to know that champion unless you do what Hanson says: is get out there and meet them and start talking to them, getting to know them. Well, thanks for the acknowledgement. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to echo a lot of what's already been said, but just knowing how valuable the relationships that you're making today in business school, how valuable they're going to be like throughout your tenure at the school and then also like, you know, post graduation and just, you know, and I think they start small. Like you never like you guys are a great example of that. Like you never know the person you meet at orientation or the first day of class like what they're going to be able to do for you later on. So just treasuring those relationships and nurturing them as much as possible. Um and also, you know, being I think being brave enough to ask for help and ask for the connection and ask mm. for the networking opportunity, but then also paying that forward and paying it back as well, I think is really important too. Because, you know, everyone, I think, you know, people always want to help alum, um, you know, or alum always want to help people who are going through the program that they went through as well, not being afraid to reach out. Because again, like opportunity just comes in so many different forms and relationships spark by, you know, so many different things and just taking advantage of all of that. 
Yeah, it's like, how do you? It's okay. I mean, like this, we, we attract all these really smart people, <laughs> as you guys are evidence of. But it's okay to not know something because nobody can help you if you walk around acting like you got it all figured out. And I've heard on a lot of these podcasts again and again, people talk about like the value of calling someone up and saying, "Hi, I'm a student in mm -hmm. Anderson," and all these doors get opened because people like to talk to students. You know, they want to they want to pay it forward. They want to. Uh, what'd you say when you did the orientation at Femapalooza? It was uh, see one, do one, teach one. Right. I love that. That's from the medical arena. But you know, you see a procedure, you do one, do and then the you procedure, teach one, and then and you once teach you know, you do it. And you know, it's funny that you're saying. Um, I actually won we had these sort of funny awards at the end of, mm. uh, of FEMBA and I actually won an award and the award was for the person who asked the most questions during the three years <laughs> and I and I and I stood by that award proudly because I was like a I was gonna get my money's worth and That's B right. yeah. and B uh, I didn't know everything I didn't I, I I allowed myself because when when you're training as a physician or as a doctor or whatever there's an expectation that you at least know the things that you're supposed to know. And unfortunately, a lot of times that transcends and makes people feel like they know everything. But for me, that was so utterly important. And I can't tell you how many times the question I asked led to not just a piece of knowledge for that question, but it led to more. It led to wisdom. It led to, from just a piece of knowledge, it led to a little bit more wisdom in a particular area that I wouldn't have known. And so I think, I think absolutely, you're absolutely right on that. Well, in, in medicine and law, you talk about you practice medicine, you practice law. When do we practice business? Yeah. Well, we go out, we become a management consultant, you know, and you practice telling people how to run their, you know, like, like using the metaphor of practice, then it makes it okay to ask questions. Because in mm -hmm. practice, you know, did my, did my jump shot go in? Yes or no? It's not like I'm supposed to make every shot. Of course exactly. not. It's practice. And sometimes I think we do get away from that. So for those of you listening, you know, beginner's mind, if your cup is all the way full, Nothing can get added to your cup. You know, it's okay to, you know, don't be afraid to raise your hand and, and win the most questions <laughs> award. <laughs> well, Sarah, Oscar Hansen, thank you for um, being patient with me on my first team podcast. Thank you for being an exemplar, an inspiring exemplar of how great minds can come together and figure out something that doesn't exist that can really make a difference and then putting your money where your, where your mouth is and putting the time in. We can't wait to follow your story. We've blogged on you in the past. Now we've got a podcast. Now we've added Sarah. This is exciting. So thank you guys for listening. Tune in next week. Appreciate it. Thank you.